0: From our A League to the English Premier League, from the man you read, to a Brazilian name Fred, from the Socceroos to the latest round ball news, from Harry Kuehl's tattoo to Cantona's kung fu. Want to hear the best world football show on the planet? Arriba! Well, stand in queue for Hyundai A League. Show your A League team colours at iLoveFootball.com.au for a chance to win a Hyundai i20. Ah. Muchas gracias, for Diego's.
1: Welcome, amigos. This is The Four Diego's Across Australia. My name's Carlos Alberto Diego. With me today is Vinny Venezuela, Rodrigo Rodriguez, and Donny Dominguez. We're four blokes who love our world footy, and we want to tell you all about it. So, Vinny, what have we got on the show for listeners tonight?
2: Thank you very much, Carlos. Tonight we share a double soft sombrero moment with head of the A-League, Lyle Gorman, and Fairfax football journo, John Howcroft, and Donny searches for romance in the FA Cup in his UK rap.
3: Vinny talks about the real Ronaldo's retirement and an Italian's champion league brain explosion in his global scene. We
4: talk... Talk of a Duke of the Great, the Arsenal Fabregas debate, and ask, have the raw shut the gate? And much, much more.
3: So when you see Steve Hooligans out there, hang on you some Barrows. Coming
1: up, it's an A-League Finals update with Rodrigo, so stay tuned across Australia. This is the Four
0: Diego's. Triple M. Taste the Perth glory. Hear the Brisbane roar. For Hyundai A-League fan-made. Get behind your local club. It's the Four Diego's on Triple M.
1: You're with Carlos, Vinny, Rodrigo and Donnie on the Four Diego's across Australia. You can join us right here every week for your dose of world footy Diego style. Coming up, it's David versus Goliath in the FA Cup at Old Trafford. But first, Rodrigo, what's the latest A-League finals news?
3: I get a bit excited around finals time, as you know, Carlos. And uh, the first final, the elimination final, Adelaide United defeated Wellington Phoenix 1-0. Travis Dodd scored in front of... 10,285 people at Hindmarsh Stadium. It was wet. Wellington dominated the game for the first 60 minutes. They'll be spewing they didn't win.
1: Yes, uh, it certainly wasn't the crucifixion I thought was going to happen at <laughs> the City of Churches, but uh, in the end, uh, I think the fatigue, like you said, uh, got to Wellington. Ricky Herbert certainly got that excuse nice in, in early oh, there with the in the press conference that they've been travelling. They get uh, less
4: uh, rest time than all the other A-League sides, but plucky by Wellington and uh, probably all they deserved, really. Inspirational knock from Travis Dodd as well. Oh, I mean, yeah. If anyone was doubting his commitment to Adelaide and whatever the rest of the season, fantastic uh, game, fantastic goal, beautiful control. Oh, you're a champion. What about the little flick from uh, Marcos Flores when he was on the ground, on his bum basically,
3: yeah. and he just flicked it with the back heel and just opened up that play? He is a star.
2: And he had a nice little nutmeg during that game as well. He just makes everything look very easy on that pitch.
3: He's a beautiful footballer. And The major semi-final first leg, now this is in two legs. Central Coast Mariners were at home to... Brisbane Roar, and they lost 2-0. Costa Barbarousas and Matt Mackay scored for Brisbane in front of a, you know, a disappointing crowd of 10,166 at Blue Tongue. Yes, yeah, so congratulations to Pippi Postacoglu,
2: <laughs> of course
1: uh, Lionel uh, Barbarousas, and also Manuel Mackay. Had a dig deep for Manuel back Foley-Towers day, but fantastic goal by uh, Matty uh, yeah. Ma- Mackay, uh, just floating in at the near post. I don't know how many headed goals he's ever scored, but that was a beautiful little flicked header by the man.
2: Marinade is a little bit unlucky. They hit the post a few times, and there was, I reckon, that If you hit the post twice in, on an attack, it should count as a goal. <laughs> yeah. That McBreen won and then he deflected and someone else had a crack. should have been a goal.
4: At least half a goal. You
3: know, half I have to
4: introduce half goals
3: into this game. It was a hot and sweaty night there. And I uh, just wanted to look at Graham Arnold, go up to him and say, Mate, eight, take eight, your yeah, jacket off. 82% humidity. It was unbelievable. It was really, really hot. And uh, what about Matt Simon? There was a little anecdote uh, during the broadcast where he was driving down the road, saw a little old lady fall in the street, parked his car, got out, and helped her. He's looking for a bit of karma. Didn't get it last night, unfortunately, because he, uh, he was one of those who missed a few goals as well.
2: Apparently he left uh, the membership uh, <laughs> form with her as well.
3: Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Doing one for the team, as always. Can
1: they come back in the second leg, by the way, in uh, Brisbane next week, Donny, very quickly? No. No? No, I don't think so. No? Either. No. Okay, so it's the Copperdale del toilet, toilet Seat for uh, Brisbane Raw in the grand final at home in a couple of weeks' time. Now, Rodrigo, Sydney are on a spending
3: spree. Well, a memo to all the final A-League clubs, you know, clubs playing in the final, is that Sydney FC needs your players. Did you see the ad in uh, seek.com? <laughs>
2: uh, are you
3: playing in the A-League finals, Australian? Happy to disrupt your team's finals preparation and want to play in a real competition? Then send us your resume because we've got a spot for you and our team that we forgot to top up after we lost a heap of players last year that's what's going on they've already got David Williams from North Queensland Fury which is great a great pickup, get yep. and uh, they've worked pretty hard to get Paul Reed, which caused absolute chaos over there in the city of churches of course uh, Paul Reid uh, had a bit of a falling out uh, with Rini Coolen. And um, they're also looking for Jade North, and Ricky Herbert wasn't happy about that either.
4: Things not so cool <laughs> no,
3: in Adelaide no, at the moment? No, there's
1: no cool enough period there. Apparently they're sitting together and they're sorting things out. They're reconciling oh. as we speak, Rodrigo. So all the best to Adelaide, all the best to uh, Paul Reed. Hopefully he'll get a bit of game time, still join Sydney to further his career and feed the family. That's what he wants to do it for. Six-month contract, that's what they're offering. That's all they need. <laughs> exactly right. Thanks very much, Rodrigo. Coming up, Johnny finds some romance in the FA Cup, so stick around. Across Australia, this is the Forty Diego's.
0: Triple M. Feel North Queensland's fury. Get Adelaide United. For Hyundai A-League. Fan made. Go to aleague.com.au for tickets. It's the Four Diego's on Triple M.
1: If you want to get in touch with the Diegos, drop us a line at diegos at fourdiegos That's f o u r d i e g o s dot com. Also, join us on Twitter, twitter dot com forward slash fourdiegos. Coming up, Vinny talks about the special one. But first, Donny, what's the latest UK footy news?
4: Ah, uh, well, it was FA Cup. Romance, oh, drama, so torture. Yes, it was. Just to get to the games that I didn't care to toss about out of the <laughs> way. Birmingham <laughs> defeated Sheffield Wednesday 3-0. Stoke defeated Brighton and Hove Albion 3-0. But the two games that took my uh, fancy Carlos, was the romance of Manchester United versus Crawley. Crawley. Yeah. Mm. Crawley, The F3. powerhouse of the pub leagues. In Sussex, if I understand correctly. Well, that game, as romantic as the scene was set, and it was started Ooh. with... Sir Alex giving his opposing number Steve Evans, a beautiful bowl of red wine. Okay. Mm. Yes, a thousand pounds. Really oh. nice. Oh, it's it a nice gesture like from Sir Alex. It was a lovely, a lovely Ooh. Glaswegian welcome. That's
2: more than he actually gets paid. <laughs> yeah,
4: more than he got paid the whole season. So because... what's
2: going on? Does Sir Alex want to poach a Crawley player or something?
4: <laughs> I, look, do you know what? What this is what I'm a little suspect about. He says I want you to share that with your wife. Oh. Hey. Now apparently oh. he's put
1: it on eBay and got two thousand pounds for it.
4: So he's done very well, well Steve. Only if uh, Sir Alex had autographed the bottle would yeah. he gotten two thousand
1: pounds. But it was but a glorious but... failure.
2: Glorious. By,
4: uh, uh, Crawley Town. That's right, plucky. a one 0 a one nil loss. Yes, a plucky one 0 loss.
2: Sorry, yeah. did Sir Alex say he wanted to be there when he shared it with his wife? Because <laughs> it's getting go, a bit wrong. Yeah,
4: exactly. It didn't go that far. They're both from Glasgow, these guys. Okay, though. Yeah. so you know maybe that's what they do in Glasgow. <laughs> I yeah. don't know the Glaswegian kiss. That yep. I'm familiar with. <laughs> yeah, is normally a headbutt. Do you reckon
1: Richard Brodie, the uh, big target man for Crawley Town, who rose above everyone towards the end of the game, headed the ball against the bar? Mm. He'd be telling his kids and grandkids about the the day oh, he hit yeah. the crossbar yes. at Old Trafford that could have gone him the draw and taken the tie back home Absolutely. to Crawley, the Crawley Dome.
2: Can we just talk about? We, we, I know we can the romance sometimes, but the reality is that's going to be the biggest game for all of the players in that Crawley team. And for Crawley as a community, I suspect, like playing Man U at Old Trafford and only losing 1-0, and you come back from that, you're just going to clean up the rest of the season, aren't you?
4: Well, that's the ambition. They're they're trying to get back into the league. They're they're a non-league team at the moment, so they're trying to get back in and and they think that this will springboard them back into the league. I
3: don't know what your idea of romance is, but this wasn't romantic for me. Manchester United left 10 players out. You know They only won 1-0, but they were always going to win, guys. Come of course up. they
1: were. I've been trying to get romance back into the FA Cup since 2000 when Sir Alex Ferguson pulled Manchester United <laughs> out of the competition just to play in this toy FIFA World Club Championship. And I'm then he's starting to get it back here, Rodrigo. No. You just uh, completely wrecked
4: it for me again. Well, look, just to take us from romance to sheer terror, yes. you actually have Chelsea <laughs> losing to Everton on penalties, or in penalties, 4-3. Mm. If I was Ancelotti... I'd yeah. be afraid. Yeah. I'd be afraid there could be a terrible accident before him Yeah, involving a- Russians.
2: Apparently Mancini uh, faxed Ancelotti or maybe even SMS him and said, don't wear a scarf, they try and hang you with it. <laughs>
4: now, that's romance for me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. You went to that asphyxiation stuff there, Rodrigo. Hey, Rodrigo,
3: you're
1: starting to worry me. Uh, Tippy Cal not playing all that well, got dragged after 70 minutes uh, he's certainly got the hangover after the Asian Cup. Very, very quickly, Donny Ryan Giggs. Ryan Giggs, extended oh, the contract. Yes,
4: yes, he's extended his contract for yet another year. Uh, hot on the heels of recently being voted by the fan base as the greatest player from ANU ever. Yeah. He's extended his contract for, for one more year. Eight hundred and sixty two games plus. He's yeah. still playing. Legend. Sixteen years
1: played uh, for Wales, only sixty four games. That's four games a year. Sir Alex Ferguson has killed his, his international career. But that's why Sir Alex loves him so much. Yeah. Well,
3: you know, how would you describe him, you know, legend, inspirational, skillful Welsh?
1: Welsh. <laughs> Welsh. <laughs> well played in the World Cup. That's, That's why he's right. not one of the greatest players ever, even though in my mind he is. Thanks very so much, Donny Dominguez. Coming up, the man who can't be beaten at home. Vinny tells us all about it. So stay tuned across Australia. This is the Four Diego's. Ole!
0: Triple M. Taste the Melbourne victory. Get on board the Central Coast Mariners. For Hyundai A-League fan-made. Get behind your local club. It's the Four Diego's on Triple M. Vinny,
1: the special one has reached a special milestone.
2: Yes, uh, the man who uh, has got, I am the ant's pants of world footy (laughs) on his CV, the special one, Jose Mourinho, has gone nine years without a loss at home. He's he's, he's drawn, but he's never lost a game on home t- soil. It's
3: unbelievable. He's got to stop putting those Portuguese sausages in the uh change rooms for the
4: visitors. <laughs> I they think it's stink. A, I actually think it's the Portuguese tarts. Oh, right. yeah, they
3: all get carried away with those. But it's
1: a long time not to be humble. <laughs> that's right.
2: He's gone he has gone a long time. He has gone a long time, but that's a run of one hundred and forty seven league games with one twenty two wins and twenty five draws with 331 goals scored and 87 conceded. That's fantastic. a fantastic
4: record. That's
3: a yeah, goal,
2: yep. He
4: is the only man I know who manages to put a snap in his own shorts. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: <laughs> right. Well, that's right. Look, uh, along with that record, he's also gone uh, nine years with wall-to-wall mirrors in every house he's lived in, in every country he's coached in. He's gone nine years with his Frank Sinatra, I did it my way ringtone, <laughs> Six years with the oil painting of Drogba in the Chelsea Spa. Yes. Yeah. The only manager to uh, name his chihuahua Didier <laughs> yeah. in world yeah. football. And uh, he also holds a record for announcing he'll one day return to the Premier League. Thanks, Ross. Vinny Venezuela. Coming up, we chat to Fairfax Football journo
1: Jonathan Howcroft. So stay tuned across Australia. This is the 4 Diego's.
0: Triple M. Feel the Melbourne heart. Soar with the Newcastle Jets. For Hyundai A-League. Fan made. Go to aleague.com.au for tickets.
1: It's the Four Diego's on Triple M. Please, big Four Diego's welcome to Fairfax Football Journal, Jonathan Howcroft. Uh, Jonathan, thanks for joining us.
5: No worries, mate. Good to speak to you.
1: Yeah, it's Carlos Alberto Diego. With uh, me today is uh, Jose Throbbing, Blue Vein, Gorgonzola, Pablo Cruz and Rodrigo Rodriguez. Now, we've got you on because we want to talk about the big OZ... Uh, football news this week and the first thing we want to talk about of course the hardest of hard men a uh, little uh, but it was a little mushy the other day and talk about uh, Kevin Musk had announced his retirement from the game after the Asian Champions League and uh, you know he's a great player and uh, in many many circles recognized that way uh, both in the UK and Oz but a lot of people uh, probably won't miss him that much how do you reckon he'll be remembered?
5: Well, I I think it's a really good question. I think he'll be remembered as a hero by most of the clubs that he played for, and particularly Melbourne Victory. Um, And obviously, he's a likely coach, you know, coach-in-waiting. And I think that's really where you've got to start, that that the teams that he played for, he gave 100% and really endeared himself to those supporters. Obviously, there's a darker side to his career, and and his retirement is, is obviously the timing of which is an indication of that. Um, and I really, it, it will just depend on, on what he does between now and, and when he leaves public life. Because if he goes on, you know, if he, a, a good example might be Roy Keane, for example, who had a, a, a hard, you know, footballing career. But then as a coach, he's mellow. He's kind of gone a bit into the background. And, and the two don't necessarily marry up. So um, I hope for for Kevin's sake, who, who off the pitch is a, an extremely nice bloke, he's very personable. And and I hope that that dominates rather than any of the negative press that he may have picked up throughout his career.
3: Many A-League shins are breathing a sigh of relief uh, <laughs> if shins could in fact breathe. But uh, it's Rodrigo Rodriguez here, Jonathan. Uh, Mark Bosnich actually came out during the week imploring Muskie to play one more season. Otherwise, you know, he'll end his career on a bad note. Um, and it could affect any aspiration he has uh, to do media work or even coach. Now, given that the hardest men the Diego's have ever seen in football are John Cosmina <laughs> and Vinnie Jones. They both did uh, media work and even Vinnie Jones is a movie star. Um, do you think it's going to be a problem that you know he, he's ended his career on this sort of note.
5: I don't. I don't think so. In terms of what what he chooses to do afterwards. I mean, obviously the the victory coaching job, you know, you would expect will be his at, at whichever time he chooses to take it. But his impact on the Australian game over such a long period of time is so significant that I don't think he'll he'll be forgotten very quickly. I mean, you don't play more than 50 caps for your country and make more than 500 appearances over such a long period of time. I I think from a retirement perspective, I I tend to like to see players go out on the top. And and the timing feels right. It's the end of the season. He's realising himself that his body's perhaps not where his mind would like it to be. And and the Champions League is a big deal. So everything feels like it's come together pretty nicely.
6: And I guess, uh, Jonathan, the next question we pose is, What's Ernie Merrick's future at the victory now that, that Muskie's going to go into coaching? And, and I guess on, on the sneaky side, you know, <laughs> is there a bit of a secret deal between the two? You know, A bit like uh, Mick Malthouse and uh, Nathan Buckley.
5: Uh, well, it's, a, it's a lovely thought if, if that was the case. I mean, what, what did um, Nathan Buckley say the other day? It was like driving somebody else's very expensive car. <laughs> I, I, I think a lot of that actually will be more down to what's going on behind the scenes of the victory. Um, obviously, there's been some changes at board level, um, and one might expect that to be important to, to any future changes. And is the kind of guy that that would like to go out on his own terms, though. So um, I think, you know, with the final series and then obviously the Asian, Asian Champions League to come, I think um, any kind of succession planning or handovers would, wouldn't really happen until after that. But, you know, and I'm sure the vast majority of Victory fans would, would love a, a handover Merrick to, to Muscat.
6: And do you think that this might be the perfect opportunity for Victory? They've, they've sort of had a little bit of bad publicity, just about the whole Victory brand. Do you think that this might be the opportunity to bring perhaps an international coach into the fray? I mean, who are the faceless men out there that you know could enter the uh, the running for the coaching job?
5: Yeah, it's, it, you see, I, I think the the problem there is is whether victory and victory supporters themselves consider that there's an issue. Um, I, I think you know it's a bit like some of the old kind of English sides from from the seventies and the eighties. No one likes us. We don't pay. You know, if if people. Don't you know? Other people don't like victory. Then so what? If victory like themselves and and they're happy with with what they've got, in terms of who else could could step in, I think whoever they get either has to completely succeed Merrick in, in the same vein. In, and obviously Moskito is is the obvious candidate, or you go completely different and you say we're bringing an entirely different approach. And you'd probably look to move on a few of the guys that have been around for a while, obviously. You know, guys like Vargas and Leia who have who have been core, you know, components of, of the victory side for a long time. So I, I think it really depends whether the new board, you know, the new members of the board want to take on such a big responsibility. But if you look around the league, I mean, who really would have picked a guy like Rini Kulin, um, you know, who's done a wonderful job at Adelaide? So. It's you know it, it, it depends a lot on who's available and and what your particular mission is going forward.
1: There is a school of thought, uh, Jonathan, that um, that you know the the, the victory fans who got on board in big numbers from year one up until Melbourne Heart came along, sort of almost tolerated. The Ernie, you know, Ernie Merrick, and also Kevin Muskett. I mean, there's sort of big, big numbers who love them. No question about the majority love them, but there was a percentage that that probably had to tolerate him because there's no other option here in uh, in Melbourne. And uh, and I just wonder whether um, you know that may be reflected in the in the lower crowds at different times this season, and and also the response from Victory fans, you know, on chat lines and also comment pieces, uh, you know, after the Anthony Zara. Um, uh, sorry, rather Adrian Zara uh, issue uh, with uh, with the tackle by Musket a few weeks ago, where you know there there is a bit of an outpouring of uh, people dissatisfied. You know, even though they've been winners and, and successful, and they've built this fantastic club culture, that uh, maybe the way they go about it sometimes, you know, the victory some a percentage of Victory fans would like a change.
5: I think undoubtedly that is the case. Um, also the the percentage of, of people who fit that you know fit that stereotype i, I think it's actually relatively small and uh, again you know it's a question of 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 the, of the purpose of club ownership and the direction the club wants to take do you try and reinforce the core support and do what's in the core support's best interests and and build them up and say you know we're here for you or do you actually try and reach out to to some of the middle ground, some of the supporters who may have, you know, been been taken on by the heart, or, or you know, just lost elsewhere in the competition? Um, I, I I wrote a piece around the time of of, um, of of the derby, and I know that quite a lot of victory fans weren't happy with the assessment that they would lose supporters to the heart as a result of it. Um, but, um, I don't know, I, I think it puts it puts the the board and, and the administration in, in a difficult position, really, because if they do, you know, acknowledge that, that they are losing fans, you know, what, what do you do about it? I mean, you can't come out and publicly disown your heritage or, or profess that, you know, that there was a problem that you didn't previously acknowledge. You know, if you think about the, the conversation between Miron Blyberg and Annie Merrick over the definition of, of victory's play if if any or, or whoever in the club turns around and and says yeah actually you're probably right about that what does that mean to to the two premierships that they've won what does that mean to the legacy of a guy like kevin musket i i think it's a dangerous road to go down and i think they'd be they'd be better advised to you know to to consolidate and and actually build from within mm.
6: now jonathan uh it's pablo here um Talking of uh, of legacies, of course, uh, this week Mark Viduca was uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. He won the or uh, was awarded the Alex Tobin Medal at the PFA Awards. Uh, he's one guy who definitely won't be going into movies now that his career is <laughs> over. But it's a richly deserved award. I mean, he's been a fantastic, uh, for want of a better phrase, a servant of the game uh, in this country and a, and, a, and a fantastic Australian player.
5: Yeah, well, I, you know, when you get the the real top level of of pundit and and writer in the country asking rhetorically is he the best ever australian footballer and nobody really challenging that assumption you know that's all you really need to know isn't it you know he's he's in that kind of company he's in the top three or four players if not the best player the country's ever produced and you know you don't score four goals against liverpool you don't lead your country into a world cup without really having something special and it's rare that you hear anybody say anything negative about the guy. He, you know, both on the field and off the field, he he just comes across as as the kind of bloke that you want in your dressing room. And from a, a skills perspective, I have a, a particular soft spot for, for any footballer that can play with their back to goal as a striker. And his ability to to take the ball on his thigh and his chest, bring it down and bring others into play, is as good as anybody was producing the Premier League for ten years. So. Uh, you know, the highest level and, and you know, a a guy from from the western suburbs of Melbourne. Good on him.
1: Here on the 40 goes across Australia, you're listening to a special soft sombrero moment with Fairfax Football Journal, Jonathan Howcroft.
3: Jonathan, uh, it's Rodrigo again. Now, Football Federation Australia have announced that they will launch the FFA Cup in March next year with the final to be played on Australia Day uh, 2013. Another opportunity to wave some flags there. Should be a fantastic uh, competition you know, the, club, the A-League clubs will be there and uh, many other clubs from around the country. You know, this is a great opportunity for the, uh, for the game in this country to really um, be turbochargers, to coin uh, Lyle, Gorman's, uh, Lyle Gorman's words. Um, do you think that it will have a fantastic impact on football in this country?
5: I, I, I think it will have a positive impact and I, I think the, um, the, the interest that it will generate at, at grassroots level will be good for the game. I think there is a slight danger from from conversations that I've been involved in and, and, and eavesdropping on. Um about the, the kind of the old NSL versus the new A League debate. And there's a danger that, that such a cup competition could become about old football versus new football and I think it's important to to bring everything under the one banner. So it's not you know, A League versus state leagues. It's you know every man for himself in a you know in a free-for-all cup competition and you know hopefully they'll be the odd giant killing they'll you know they'll be the odd um you know 15 20 thousand attendance at a, a state league ground and and all of the old stories can can you know can come flooding back but i think it's important that it, it it's not seen as the panacea for for australians you know for australian football that that it's Taken as a cook competition and embraced in the spirit of a cook competition, and um, you know, and, and hopefully generate some kind of magic that comes with that.
6: And and speaking of uh, that spirit, uh, Jonathan, apparently it's open to all levels of the footballing pyramid. Now, Diego is a bit short on numbers. What's what's your fitness like?
5: <laughs> I, my my fitness isn't bad. I've, I've I've been playing a bit of futsal recently. Um, I reckon I might need to to get on the Biggest Loser before I, I finally make it make it anywhere near a starting eleven though.
1: Now you're S and a half, mate. If you're that big. And uh, and by the way, it's Diego's Wednesday. Yes. And uh, I think the game needs another kissing your sister cup. In, or we need one at least in Australia. We don't have one. So uh, they've got a million over in Europe uh, from Inter Toto Cup to the League Cup and so forth. They're the best sort of kissing your sister cups, but uh, we need one in Australia too.
5: Yeah, I, I think there's something about a cup competition, and and the the way Australian sport is is organised. There's obviously the final system at, at the end of most seasons, but there's something about watching a competition go on in parallel with the rest of the league, and and you know for sides that that may be middle or, or lower down, but don't really have aspirations to to win a tournament, you know, to win a league tournament. Having that cup run, you know, this mythical cup run is, is just this wonderful kind of sporting fantasy. You know, you hear side you know, you hear fans at the beginning of the season saying, our expectations for this season and to not get relegated and have a good cup run. <laughs> and you know, this you know, like this weekend, you know, there's Crawley Town versus Man United at Old Trafford in the fifth round of the competition. I mean, Crawley, and if you dig dig a bit deeper, Crawley aren't the most romantic of sides to be in this position, but you know, it's, how wonderful is it a small town that, that ironically enough, Kevin Muscat actually comes from, playing against you know a side that that's going up in the quarterfinals of the Champions League.
6: Mm. And and Jonathan, we know that you you're in the know, but we've heard that the uh, the trophy for the FFA Cup is going to be the lid to the toilet
5: seat. <laughs> so yeah,
6: first you win the lid, then you win the toilet seat. I think that's the, that that's the dream.
5: Well, it, it, it makes the image of of the players celebrating by drinking out of it at the end of, <laughs> at the, end of the game all that more rich. Yeah,
6: it? here's
1: to the, cup, the Copper Dell toilet seat. Yeah, yeah all fantastic. the women
3: around Australia will be pleased.
1: Yeah. One last one before I let you go, mate. Uh, the fans are coming together to try and get the FFA to, to listen to them. And uh, we know that there's a, a lot of grit, disc, disc, uh, disgruntled fans throughout uh, Australia with the different fan groups uh, for various reasons. Uh, they had the big fan forum in uh, New South Wales a couple of weeks ago, and they also had one last night in Melbourne. Um, tell us about the wash-up with, uh, with the fan forum.
5: Yeah, we're, we're a peculiar lot, aren't we, football fans in this country? It's, it, it feels to me as if we don't realise how, how good we've got it. And I know that's got politicians into trouble a lot of times in the past when they've said things like that. But really, I mean, from my perspective, the quality of of football on the pitch is at an extremely high level and, and commentators far more qualified than I have said that it's it's been the best that it's ever been in, you know, in the A-League. And that's countered by people saying, "Yeah, but the atmosphere isn't the same. There isn't the same passion or, or, or tribal rivalry." A lot of people are blaming the security firms that are policing the, the active supporter zones. Um, I spoke to, to Brendan Schwab, who, who suggested that, that because of the rate of expansion of the competition, they haven't consolidated in the A League hasn't consolidated in the right areas, leading to a few and you know a few kind of weak fixtures here and there. I mean, weak fixtures have, have caused a few issues. So we're kind of in this situation where we've got this wonderful product and we're kind of arguing amongst ourselves as to how best to share it. And, you know, as I alluded to earlier with you know, with talking about the cup competition, there's, there's this sense that there's old soccer versus new soccer coming through. I think everybody involved in the game has to be very careful that that conversation remains positive, remains forward-looking, so that when there are the campaigns to, to invigorate the active supporting areas and, and so on, that they're done within the the parameters of the current competition without really, you know, endangering what we've already got.
1: Well thanks very much for joining us, uh, Jonathan. It's been a great pleasure speaking to you. Now get out. Start training tomorrow for Diego Wednesday. We want to win that FFA Cup.
5: I'm looking forward to it, mate. I'll um, I'll make sure that I've got all my skins on so that I can recover properly.
1: Good on you, mate. That was a special soft sombrero moment with Fairfax Football Journal, Jonathan Howcroft.
6: Triple M.
0: Rise with the Wellington Phoenix. Get Gold Coast United for Hyundai A-League fan-made. Get behind your local club. It's the Four Diego's on Triple M. And you can join us right here every week
1: for your dose of world footy Diego style. Coming up, it's a special soft sombrero moment with Lyle Gorman. But first, Vinny, what's the latest global news?
2: Oh, look, El Gordo, a.k.a. Phenomenal, (laughs) a.k.a. Fat Boy Fat, a.k.a. Map of Tazuan Ronaldo, (laughs) a.k.a. Ronaldo Luiz Nazario de Lima, retired this week. The great one himself has retired. Now, um, despite what everyone might think, uh, we, like the transvestites of uh, Brazil, love him. We love him. He's
3: got more pseudonyms than you have.
2: Indeed Um, he has.
3: Great career, though, seriously. The guy um, was in pain towards the end. He suffered from hypothyroidism. Yes. Which is uh, an issue with the thyroid, um, which uh, you could tell. (laughs) <laughs> sadly but uh, you could gr- tell great memories 2002 was his greatest moment don't you think
2: uh look he he's he's had many that was a good one at the world cup you mean
3: yeah that's right sorry he definitely the, he scored twice uh uh in, against germany in the final there and uh he is up there as far as I'm concerned, probably well, third or fourth.
2: I think he's got 15 goals in World Cup finals, so that's a, that's a nice tally. The guy's amazing. Look, he started off at PSV Eindhoven when he moved to Europe, 42 goals in 46 games there. Then he went to Barcelona, he didn't like it over there, 34 goals in 37 games, and he was grumpy. <laughs> at Inter, 68 games and he scored 49 goals. Uh, Real Madrid, 83 goals out of in 127 games.
1: He did it with back-to-back knee reconstructions too, Vinny Venezuela. He was cruel, cruel by injury at Inter Milan and uh, and it was then that really triggered off all the issues as far as, uh you know, the Mr. Puffiness going on and, and all the other issues uh,
4: off the field that, uh, where he lost his way a bit. And yeah. it, it led to that other record that Vinny hasn't mentioned yet in terms of donut and fried chicken eating.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hypothyroidism, uh, Donny.
4: Yeah, 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 that's probably right. Now, Vinny Venezuela, for such a celebration Career he was a perfumed Brazilian,
1: did so many things, scored for fun throughout his whole career. Everyone loved him, yes. but there were a few Brazilian, uh, you know, uh, the heroes of the game, the legends of the game, who don't really like. him. You
2: don't allowed to say anything about Palais, but I think Palais wishes he had coined the special one name for himself. Because <laughs> Talk about raining on someone's parade. He's come out and he said, and I quote, this is a quote, I've actually gone to the translator. This is a quote that I got from the Italian press. Palais said, Ronnie was one of the greatest players in history thanks to the fact that he played in the telecommunications (laughs) era. (laughs) But apart from me, Garinka, Tostar and also Falcao were better. Yeah. If I was Ronaldo, I would have retired in 2009. (laughs) Thanks very much, Palais. Thanks very much. Where's the
3: humility gone? With Pele, You know, he's a great player, but you know, be humble, mate. Yes. There's other great yeah. players yes, as well. Yes, there
4: are other great players. I'm with you, Rodrigo. And it's what happens when you start making impotence commercials, I think. <laughs> yeah. This is what happens. You start to get bitter, yeah, Rodrigo. You start to get bitter and you're coloured. your view is coloured.
2: I wouldn't know about that, Vinny. Now,
1: no, Vinny, so a bit of a backlash towards Gennaro Gattuso during the weekend with his performance in he, the Champions League.
2: Yes, after the championship championship. Uh, game over there. He had a crack at Jordan over there at uh, Tottenham and uh, basically uh, Jordan's come out and uh, Joe Jordan's come out and defended what he said and Gattuso said uh, he called me um, an Italian B-something which mm. offended Gennaro El Reno. <laughs> and uh, Son
4: of unwed parents I think is yes. where it went. Yes. And, oh. and,
2: and Jordan's come out and said he clearly doesn't realise I consider playing for Milan, the proudest time of my career that my daughter lives and works in Italy and that I love the country and the people. It's just a nonsense. It really is. To which Gats, in response, said, No one told me that. Why did anyone tell me that? <laughs> and uh, look, President of AC Milan, Silvio Ber- Berlusconi, didn't want to talk about the matter, but was interested in finding out where Joe Jordan's <laughs> daughter lives in Milan. Yeah, exactly.
7: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks so much, Mini Venezuela. Well, nice little
1: update there. Coming up, Donnie gives us an update on Cess Fabregas. So stay tuned across Australia. This is the 40 Diego's.
0: Triple M. Sydney FC for Hyundai A-League. Fan made. Go to aleague.com.au for tickets. It's the Four Diego's on Triple M.
4: Donny, Cesc Fabregas says he's committed to the Gunners. Yet again, Carlos, that's right. It's, it's come to that time of the season where Fabregas has to deal with the claims that he's about to jump ship from Arsenal to go to Barcelona again. And yet again, Cesc is there, as we always know, whenever a person professes their loyalty that strong, yeah. they're gone, Carlos. Yeah, exactly right. They're now, gone.
2: Now, there was a rumour a few weeks ago that Real Madrid were going to swoop on Cesc to uh, take the you know rug underneath the, the guy's feet.
4: Yeah, well, whoever does it, I mean, the reality is he's not going to stay there long. Although he did, look, he gave us a couple of insights into where his thinking was. He said, my future is the last thing on my mind at the moment. Yeah. Which means (laughs) at the moment, and I've already signed something to go to Barcelona. But also, the thing that I found most amusing was the fact that he's saying, we're still on the hunt for four pieces of silverware, and we're going to win all four. Completely wrong, Donnie, because Because
2: you can't win things things with with kitties. kitties.
4: Carlos, it's exactly right. Arsenal with too many kitties can't possibly (laughs) be in one of those pieces. I know. Oh, that's not
2: true. They, not they, true. They, they could win something. They're playing good football. They they, they beat Barcelona. Give oh. them some bit of credit for that. Vinny? They can do it.
4: They they might, but at that final hurdle... They're not that pinnings... young anymore, Donny. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. They're not that young anymore. Well, yeah, maybe that's right. <laughs> maybe I'm locked in a time warp. But... Well, maybe
1: you can't win things with middle-aged players. <laughs> yeah. but thanks very much, Donny Dominguez. Coming up, it's a special soft sombrero moment with head of the A-League, Law Gorman, so stay with us across Australia. This is The Four Diego's.
0: Reba! Triple M. Feel North Queensland's fury. Get Adelaide United for Hyundai A League fan made. Go to aleague.com.au for tickets. It's the 4 Diegos
1: on Triple M. You're with Carlos, Vinny, Rodrigo, and Donny on the 4 Diegos across Australia. You can join us right here every week for your dose of world footy Diego style. Coming up, Rodrigo talks about the Duke of the Great, but first, joining us is the head of the Hyundai A League. Please, big 4 Diegos, welcome to Lyle Gorman. Uh, Good day to you there, Lyle.
7: Gentlemen, how are you? Good to speak to you as always.
1: Good to speak to you too, mate. I'm Carlos Alberto Diego. Now, we know over the last couple of weeks you've been uh, present at various fan forums in Sydney and Melbourne. Now, just to make you feel comfortable, welcome to the Four Diego's Fan Forum. <laughs> now, in your meetings with uh, with the fans, uh, what have you learned that you didn't know before?
7: Uh look, that I didn't know before is an interesting question. I think I got a bit of clarity, actually, uh, around a couple of things. And uh, probably the most telling piece of clarity I got from... In Melbourne on Tuesday night, for example, was the absolute passion that football fans have that's so unique from any of the other sporting groups and the other sporting codes, and and the way they choose and want to and need to express that, you know, and that's in ways like being active and on their feet and chanting and songs and banners and noise and music and drums and so on. It's such a unique way of expression and presentation, and it's so compelling and fundamental to our game. So I think that's probably I got absolute clarity about that, and. Not that I probably wasn't aware of it. And then the second part was I have no doubt that 99.5% of our fans are just wonderful, committed people who love the code. And there's a very, very, very small minority who at times tend to undermine that. But at the end of the day, our fan base is, is outstanding.
4: Lyle, fans love chanting. They love the uh, the dancing. They love the drums. But they don't, we don't like flares. The the the, are, the only flares we're comfortable with is the ones we wore to the discos in the 70s and we still wear occasionally when, we just, when the boys get together. Now, what is the FFA going to do about flares? We are thinking of starting a campaign that is wear flares, don't throw them. And so what's the FFA going to do about it?
7: Look what what we've been doing, and that is you know we, we've we, you know, we've been working very hard with the leadership groups of, of the various fan bases, now particularly in Melbourne, and you know i'm not there's no way a reflection on Melbourne fans at all, but there's no doubt our history says the largest percent of our percentage of our challenges come from down there, uh, and that's not finger pointing at the victory fan base because they're outstanding, but with you know within that group somewhere there's this absolute small minority who didn't want to undermine it for everyone so We will never apologise for trying to clean up our game from antisocial and criminal behaviour, ever. And flares are a part of that, as are pitch invasions, as are assaults and things like that. But can I say, I did some numbers the other day, just so you know, and I'll give you a feel for this. I think, and you've probably got a calculator there, 1.3 million people have been through our ground so far this year across the country in the Hyundai League. I think might be wrong about it by 10 here, but it's roughly 337 incidents have been reported to us. Of that, there's been uh, over the history of the underlays. So that's one year. Now, you do some percentages on that, and you can't get a percentage number up on your calculator. So Therefore, the minority incidents we're talking about. I think there's been about 30 flares, which are real bad. Bug- they're dangerous. They don't present our game well. And we're going to continue to police that and not apologise for that.
2: Lila, Vinny Venezuela here, the Ideas Man of the Diego's. <laughs> I'm going to throw this <laughs> one at you. Throw this one at you. Kevin you know, retiring for all intents and purposes. Flair Ambassador Kevin Musket. How about we just get Big Kev doing a lap before, with a bag so they can just throw the flares in the bag and then they, he can give them back at the end of the game.
7: Well, I think Muskie could be a great ambassador for that. I've got to be honest with you. I mean, it's an interesting idea, and it's just got a bit of flair to it to be frank with you. <laughs> hey.
3: Very nice there, Lyle. It's Rodrigo Rodriguez here. Now, look, even though it's too hot to wear flares up in Townsville, and we can imagine Franz Strucker looking pretty good in a, uh, some flares... <laughs> We have a real soft spot for North Queensland Fury. Now, the word is that they've raised the required $1.5 million to stay alive. Now, you've proven that you've done your sums already, and we know that you don't mind uh, swimming with stingers. Now, give us an exclusive, Lyle. Are the Fury in the competition next season?
7: Look, know, I'd love to be able to give you an exclusive. Can't today. I'm, ben and I are meeting with the, uh, the executive management team of the um, Fury on Thursday. I think it is in Sydney this week in the afternoon. There's more work to be done and there's, you know we don't rush to try and correct some of the inaccuracies that sometimes appear in the public forum about numbers and so on. And, you know, numbers can tell many stories. Suffice to say at the board meeting last week, there wasn't the level of comfort that you'd hope for in terms of the required capital injection of the FFA into North Queensland. And you understand that while we've been tremendously committed to that area and it's been about $9 million of capital injection over two years from the FFA, there's a major obligation across all clubs in the league, as you know. And there's a little bit of an uncertainty about the numbers in terms of what's required from the FFA. We're going to work through with them on Thursday, and I would expect the decision to be to play from that, you know, within the next week to 10 days. We've given it every ounce of oxygen we can, as you also know. You know, we, it's not an area where we we don't want a, a Hyundai A-league team, but I think we can't have it at the expense of, uh, you know, the, the, the whole league. That's what I'm saying it is today. We've just got to tighten these numbers up. Simple as that.
1: Here on the 40A goes across Australia. You're listening to a special soft sombrero with the head of the A-League, Lyle Gorman. Lyle, it's Carlos again. Now, during the week, uh, we uh, there was an article written in the Herald Sun in Melbourne, basically uh, with a police uh, inspector coming out and saying that uh, the Melbourne Victory fans were the worst of any sport, which uh, it really made a lot of the fans out there outraged because they felt there was another media beat-up uh, and they've seen in many of these over the decades. Now, you know... I suppose what would make them feel a little bit better, the fans, is uh, not only that they're feeling outraged, and the whole football fraternity is feeling outraged, that the FFA are feeling outraged. Do you feel that that uh, you guys have shown that outrage, and uh, and how do we change these perceptions in the media?
7: Well, it's an interesting, is not it? I mean, I did read the article. I know that, that, that fellow was actually the victim of some some rather poor crowd behaviour um, at, the, at the derby recently. I, as I said at the beginning of your show, I, I defend our fans to, to the utmost. I think football fans in Australia are fantastic and, and, and Melbourne Victory fans no, no, um no, certainly no worse and in fact, you know, probably the leaders in, in terms of creating ground atmosphere and so on. There's that minority element, guys, that just tends to want to upset it for everyone, and we've got to weed those guys out. I'm, for example, I'm meeting with the leaders of the Melbourne Victory tomorrow. I'm meeting with Vic Pohl tomorrow to find ways we can better engage with our crowds and try to manage this ridiculously small speck of people who want to disrupt things. Now, part of that's an education process, I think, and I'd love to see things like continuity of security and police at the same games week in, week out, so that there's a rapport and relationship built between the fan bases but let me say this i'll defend the the, our fan base across australia to the hilt i'll never defend that element who want to crush it and ruin it for everyone well we have got great
2: fans there's no doubt about that but as, as you say there is a minority people often ask us why don't they use the cameras at the grounds to just weed out those troublemakers why can't we go down that road a bit more
7: effectively well, we do. I mean, all, all, all venues uh, in the Hyundai League have CCTV, and as I, I think I was telling the fan group on Tuesday night when they wanted to put a couple of hand grenades on top of me that, um, you know, I, I reckon I was probably cctv five times getting there, certainly <laughs> at the airport at both ends, in the Western Hotel Foyer, in the town the hall, and probably leaving, and you know, that's a part of life today, and we do use that, that sort of... Uh, Facility. What we really want to do is reach the stage where we've got self-regulation. You know, for a good example, that'd be the North End that, that, that um, Eddie had and um, Amy. That if we can self-regulate ourselves and take away some of this angst that seems to exist between some sections of the fans and police and so on, it'd be a great outcome. And that's a part of my purpose. We're meeting with Vic Pol tomorrow to see what sort of bridges we can build that create better relationships, but at the same time don't condone the antisocial and criminal element that want to sneak in there from time to time.
4: Lyle, Donny again. Uh, mate, now moving to the most athletic of our owners here, Clive Palmer, <laughs> the most athletic looking. and He's a bloke who likes to do things his own way and sometimes that way hasn't necessarily corresponded with being the best thing for football on the Gold Coast. What is in this story that he was about to pull his money out of the Gold Coast, take over the roar and then he's just done the about face again and said he's going to commit to the Gold Coast once again? What's behind all that?
7: No, look, look, as we do with all our owners, we, we meet with our owners on a very regular basis. Now, for example, I met with the owner of Wellington Phoenix in Sydney for two hours yesterday before I went up to Gosford. And we, we meet with them all on a regular basis. Ben and I are over in Perth the, the week after this meeting with Tony. And we do that on a very ongoing basis. And we're always evaluating the interest of the owners, the commitment, how we can do things better and so on. We've had a, several chats with Clive. And I mean, I've got a very good relationship with him, as has Ben. And we, we've had a lot of discussions with him about the best ways to utilise someone like him in football. And we have no doubt that the best way to do that is the Gold Coast. You know, did we discuss whether there were other options? Yes, we did. Let's, let's not hide from that. But at the end of the day, we agreed collectively that the best way for the future of football was to work with Clive to get a market that we believe has a lot of life in it, coming to life more than it has, look at price pointing, look at venue and various things to make it a better, better space for football. I spoke to him two days ago again um, when he's overseas and he's confirmed that absolute commitment. I'll meet with him in a fortnight and our goal is to really bring that that market to life when we believe it has lots of potential.
3: Now, Lyle, one of the criticisms the FFA has had to, I suppose... Harbour is that, uh, especially Ben Buckley and yourself, is that you haven't really embraced uh, social media <laughs> like, uh, like the Diego's have Twitter, Facebook, and the one that really especially intrigues the Diego's is the fax. Now, <laughs> we've been on your Facebook page, and although you have no friends, it has potential. Will you guys start tweeting and faxing sometime soon? <laughs>
7: You guys make me laugh. Hey, it's a serious question. It's a
1: serious question. There are many of the fans out there who want you on Twitter.
7: No, that's a a fair enough request now. Can I make this commitment to you? That a part of the the proactive approach we are, one of my absolute commitments is to engage better with fans and, and more regularly. And certainly Ben and I will be looking at doing some blogs with fans on a regular basis. We'll be looking at the, how we might better util, utilise all of the social, social media um, outlets so that we can have a better and a stronger relationship with the fan base. We do want to hear them. Like I came down there last Tuesday, met with three of them, and some of them were, you know, probably would have been happy to publicly behead me. But at least we're in the, <laughs> at least we're in the forum together And it's as start a relationship building. So the feedback on social media... It's taken on board, it's taken on the chin, and you'll see over the next couple of months very much a change in the way we utilise that particularly in the context of better engaging, better understanding and better partnering with the fan base.
2: Hey, Lyle, there's a 20-year-old in the office somewhere who's always on her computer. She's actually doing Twitter and Facebook anyway.
7: Just get her onto it, mate. <laughs> uh, we're, look, we're, we're across it and we have feedback taken and consider it done.
4: And, Lyle, just to, just to prove the point, we, we had our Twitter fan base out there send us questions for this interview. And and uh, I'm going to pass one of them on now, which is uh, a chap in uh, Adelaide who went to the game on Friday night. in the pouring rain, he said, is to find the ticket prices had almost doubled. Why was his question?
7: Yeah, well they hadn't doubled um, at all. Uh, but but uh, respect, the, respect the view. Look at any in any uh, forum of sport or entertainment. Generally speaking, premium events attra- attract a premium price, uh, and no doubt that the semi-finals are, that there was an escalation in pricing. There will be one for the final and one for the grand final. And that's a fairly typical trend in. Forward across the board, uh, and you know, we we can't apologise for. It. I mean, we, we we worked hard. I can assure you, Ben and I had about ten iterations of the price points for the various venues before we before we signed off. And rest assured, every one of those was bringing the price down, not putting it up.
4: But do you think the pricing may have had an impact on crowd numbers, like the the, the Central uh, I Coast the game? Do you think, I or... think
7: the Montsenor Range and the floods <laughs> yeah. and, and hurricanes might? have. I think it was an extraordinary crowd for the, the weather conditions in Adelaide on. On Friday, and testament to the tremendous fan base and support the Hyundai A League have down there.
3: Well, we're all excited by big numbers. We're talking about, you know, um, big, big numbers with large crowds, high TV ratings, you know, millions of people listening to the Diego's across <laughs> Australia. Um, <clears throat> now, the Diego's audience aside, what uh, what is the FFA or the A League going to do to really um, convert the enormous national interest uh, into bums on seats? games and watching TV. Yeah,
7: look, and, I, and I think that's a compelling word. You just use that word convert, and we're very driven by conversion. We know there's about 1.7 million people in Aussie touching you now, going, kicking the ball week in, week out. We wrap a mum and dad and a sibling or two around. You've got a critical mass, five, six, seven million people. And the opportunity to, to number one, have those guys sampling under A-League, active, actively become more involved with
1: it. Now, Lyle, one last one before we go, mates. Uh, going back to Clive Palmer, there was talk... You know, with all the media talk, it wasn't you guys, but it was the media talk about uh, about moving the uh, the final between uh, Gold Coast and Melbourne victory to Melbourne because of the stay of the pitch and, and other considerations there, such as the crowd. Uh, the rumour that Clive Palmer was going to sue you guys, probably for the fourth or fifth time, uh, was that, is there anything in that rumour?
7: <laughs> Absolutely, Zip. No, not at all. Look, I'm, I met with Clive up there. Um, in fact, I spent four wonderful hours with him last Saturday. Um, yeah, at the game up there and um, the only way that game would have ever been moved, sorry, was if the venue was unsafe. i our player welfare safety there. And then we had an inspection of it on Tuesday at 10am. Our, our reports were that the venue was more than adequate for the game. It'll be tested this afternoon, obviously at 530 um, but we've got full faith in the venue delivering a, a playing services safe and protecting our footballers. No other consideration was entered into in terms of moving the game apart from that. Clyde was across that and accepting if it wasn't safe we'd move it, but certainly if it was, no way.
1: Well, he wasn't going to sue you, but he's probably going to sue us because we asked that question.
7: Well, he might well do. I might ring him up. Actually, I know exactly where he is at the moment.
1: Well, thank God our assets are in our wives' names. (laughs) (laughs) The meagre assets
7: that they are. The the Yogas can run, but they can't hide.
2: (laughs) And just very quickly, Lyle, I just want to create a bit of controversy. When John Aloisi got got the yellow for taking his shirt off, Uh, in his final game uh, last week. Uh, How did you guys feel about that? Did you think the referees were a little bit tight?
5: (laughs)
7: Look, I thought that on on the occasion, that that the referee on that particular occasion might have been able to show a little bit more understanding of the circumstance. He was doing his job. I mean, he's a guy aspiring for Asia and World Cup things, and he was doing his job to the letter. You know, maybe if we'd have had a little bit of a briefing beforehand, because I think there's an occasion every so often where you can just put the hand in the back pocket and, and move on. I thought it was a, a wonderful testament to Johnny that uh, he celebrated the way he did. I was thrilled he got the goal because I knew it was coming. And you know, maybe in hindsight the referee might have done it differently.
3: Especially given the fact that he did a 1,000
7: uh, sit-ups before he took the shirt off. <laughs> well, did you notice he has been on I think he, about, he got the goal in the second half, didn't he, From memory, remember? I think he'd been on the, on the, on the iron at half-time, right. up. Now,
1: very, very quickly, Lyle, you're Little baby, Central Coast, uh, two goals behind the first league against Brisbane Raw. Um, you know, how do you feel about that and can they come back?
7: I was at the game last night. Um, they uh, hit the post three times, hit the crossbar once. Um, were are incredibly competitive. Full credit to um, Brisbane Raw. Full credit. I mean, they're an outstanding team. They've been the, the leading light all year. Their, their, their clinical finishing in front of goal was outstanding. Tough gig to go up there and get those goals back. But what I've learned in... Six years with the Mariners uh, up until my new role is you, you never write them off. Uh, they, you know, they're a gutsy little mob. and they'll come out fighting and give it the best next week, so I wouldn't write them off. But you'd have to say that, that the advantage is certainly in Brisbane's favour and probably looking to a grand final up there on um, the weekend of the 12th and 13th.
1: Good on you, Lyle. It's been a great pleasure speaking to you. If you need any help with Twitter, ask the Diego's because we are the Twitter the Tweet Kings. <laughs> OK, mate? I've been no, called a tweet a few times. Actually. Is
7: that the same thing?
1: <laughs> in, in the Diego's case, yes. Yeah. <laughs> good on you, Lyle. Thanks for joining us today.
7: Uh, pleasure, fellas. Have a good day. Cheers. That was a
1: special soft sombrero moment with head of the A-League, Lyle Gorman. Don't forget you can check out our extended interview with Lyle at 4diegos.com. Next up, Rodrigo pays tribute to an Aussie football legend who scored for fun. So stay tuned. Across Australia, this is the 4diegos.
0: Triple M. Taste the Perth glory. Hear the Brisbane roar. For Hyundai A-League fan-made. Get behind your local club. It's the Four Diegos on Triple M. Welcome back. This is the Four Diegos across
1: Australia with Carlos Vinnie Rodrigo and Donny Rodrigo, one of the greatest players we've ever seen in Australia was acknowledged this week.
3: Hit it, Pedro. 409 appearances, 202 goals. Honoured by the Professional Footballers Association with the Alex Tobin Medal. A legend of Australian football, Mark Viduka. What a great player. I love this guy. One of my enduring memories is those four goals, four Leeds United against Liverpool in 2000. Just amazing to watch.
1: We're worried about the romance in football. You should see Rodrigo right He's now. Tearing in the He's tearing up. He's tearing up. Absolutely. He's snapping the shorts. He's tearing up. It's of, unbelievable. Of course, uh, Rodrigo, I was at the, the night, the PFA uh, Alex Tobin nights, and uh, I discoed away with all the players, and Mark Viduka. Such an ornament to the game. Uh, Joseph Skoko said some beautiful words. Uh, Eddie Harper there were tears in the crowd when he was uh, interviewing him. I'm actually getting as romantic as you right now. And uh, Carmen I, my other, my other beautiful half, just enjoyed the night.
3: <laughs> Your other beautiful yeah, half. Yeah. This is what I love about this guy. He's such a humble guy. Uh, he had those wonderful skills. Captain of Australia in 2006 World Cup in Germany. Uh, what, what a great player. You know, there's always questions about, you know, the fact that he didn't score enough goals for the country. But, you know, 50% record in his whole professional playing career says it a lot. And he's in the company of Johnny Warren, Joe Marston,
2: and Craig Johnson. And you'd rather have him there than not there, basically, in that squad.
3: Yeah, and there was a lot of
1: love in the room. There was over 400 people, almost 500 people in the room. And it was a fantastic – it was open to all the fans and uh, all the media. And it was a fantastic night, Rodrigo. A night where a lot of the uh, hatchets were buried, too. (laughs) Pepe Poster Cogley got the coach of the year. And, of course, uh, what a nice touch. It was Craig Moore that actually handed him to him. Yes, I saw unbelievable. That that I was, was unbelievable. Everyone was waiting by the breath of where they were going to go at each other, but no, it was all beautiful. And also Craig Foster. Didn't apologise, but he came up and shook his hand. Congratulations for Pippi Postacoglu, our own little Pippi Guardiola there in the A-League.
3: But Mark Vaduka, you are a legend of our game. Well done. Congratulations and... Uh you know, who's next? That'll be an interesting thing. But let's celebrate Mark Faduca now.
1: Exactly. Thanks very much, Rodrigo Rodriguez. Thanks, Vinny Venezuela. Thanks, Donnie Dominguez. Remember, for your dose of world footy, tune into the 40 Diegos right here every week. If you want to get in contact with the Diegos, drop us a line at Diegos at 4Diegos.com. That's F O U R D I E G O S. Com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash And you can check out our podcasts at 4 especially our extended interview with Lyle Gorman. So remember Vinny, Wherever Puerto
2: Rican girls hang out, we'll, we'll be, be there. there.
3: Wherever you samba, rumba and la bumba, we'll, we'll be there. Wherever there are girls with
4: frid on their head and balls at their feet, we'll, we'll be there. there. Wherever
0: Gringos
2: play football, we'll, we'll be there. there. We are the Diego's. Olay!
4: Olay. Triple M.